Dirty. Dirty Laundry Sports, we are fucking back. Episode 12. Um, been very inconsistent with my episode making skills. Um, I apologize for that, but um, super busy um, per usual. Got a lot to talk about today. We got football, we got baseball, mostly baseball because I'm a Yankees fan and they are absolute trash. Um, and not just any trash, trash at the bottom of a trash can. Um, the kind of trash that not even the homeless would take. Not even, um, I don't know, anyone would take. No one wants it. No one wants it. But uh, a lot to talk about. But first of all, I'd like to start off by saying congrats to the OU softball team for playing in the national championship uh, game one tonight. Best of three um, against Florida State. Also, so I, I posted an Insta story last night about James Madison pitcher Odyssey Alexander. And I got DMs, and I the post basically said she was the most captivating college athlete that I've watched. Um, and I had DMs flooding in saying, oh, she, it's softball, blah, 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 captivating. She's not the most exciting, all this and that. Well, um, for those that don't know what captivating means, captivating means like something you can't take your eyes off of, um, something that it's kind of just like your attention is drawn to no matter what they do, kind of like, you know, honestly, like Baker Mayfield. Everyone's so interested in what Baker has to say when he gets to a mic. Um, he's captivating, right? Uh, Tiger Woods is captivating. Every time Tiger plays in a golf tournament, ESPN posts about it. ESPN doesn't talk about golf at all, really, until Tiger plays in a golf tournament or even is like seen on a golf course whether it's a tournament or playing for fun, right? That's what captivating means. You can't take your eyes off of them. You have to know what's going on in their life. All this, yada, yada, yada. Well, that's what I meant by Odyssey Alexander. When she was on the mound in the College Softball World Series, competing to play in the championship to get there, you couldn't take your eyes off of her. You almost, they, oh, you had to beat James Madison twice, um, for those that obviously don't keep up with softball, and I doubt you do if your team wasn't in it. So, um, James Madison beat OU the first day of the World Series. So OU was in its double elimination. So OU had to go through the loser bracket, all this and that, beat, win elimination games, and then beat James Madison again twice. And all James Madison had to do was beat him once. So by captivating, I mean, it was ESPN did a great job. Everyone did, a, they, they made it so hard to root against her. Like at times, even when they were playing OU, when she was pitching against OU, I almost wanted to root for her to strike out. Um, someone honor you or you know do something exciting because she was so likable on the TV. Um, she's just she's a stud, and I wish her the best. And honestly, she got a standing ovation walking off um, the last game because she's a fifth year senior. So it's obviously her last softball game for James Madison. I'm sure she'll go on to play you know USA or uh, pro softball, whatever. But she got a standing ovation from the whole crowd in Oklahoma City, and it was honestly. It was great. It was great. I mean, again, it was so hard not to root for. So just wanted to congratulate her to start the episode off. Um, moving on, though. Congratulations, Odyssey, on a great career. And uh, hopefully your career continues. Anyways, so I, I was watching MLB Network the other night. And this is where I'm going to start diving into baseball because baseball season is heating up. We're basically through a third of the season. Things are real. Um, Teams that are losing are probably going to continue to lose at this point. Teams that are winning are contenders at this point. Like they're not pretenders, they're contenders. So 
I want to talk about my Yankees for a second because Jesus fucking Christ, are they bad? We got to get rid of Aaron Boone. Uh, I, th- I think Buck Showalter took him out of retirement, get him off MLB Network and get him back in a dugout in the AL East. Um, not for the Orioles, but for the Yankees. I think he's an absolute, he's old school. He's a Tony La Russa style where it's just put your nose down and fucking play. If you don't play, you're going to ride the pine. Um, Aaron Boone comes off to me as super soft. Um, just like the other night against the Red Sox when Odor got rung up on a full count, the pitch was like literally 69 yards off the plate. Um, the worst strike three call I've ever seen in the history of baseball. Um, and like three bench coaches for the Yankees got ejected that after that pitch because, you know, they're showing emotion. It's raw. Um, they're upset. They're frustrated. Um, that they, you know, they're about to get swept by the Red Sox. And at that point it was in the ninth inning, like bases were loaded. I'm pretty sure a runner was on, um, it was a crucial point in the game. So to get running up, to get rung up the way he did when it would have put him on base, um, super frustrating. And with all the Yankees that are go- with everything the Yankees are going through right now, it just, you know, just add that to the fucking list and it's a snowball effect. So three coaches or two or three coaches got ejected. Aaron Boone was not one of them. Um, which honestly, I've been a Yankees fan my entire life. For those that don't know, my dad's from New York. That's why I am a Yankees fan. I'm not a bandwagon person. The Yankees haven't won a World Series since 2009. So if you think I'm a bandwagoner because I like the Yankees, you can suck a bag of dicks and move on with your life because I'm not. Um, I actually cheer for a losing team that hasn't won a championship in almost what? Was that 12 years, 20 years? I don't even, I don't even know. I can't count, um, but a long time. So that's that. Had to, had to clear that up real quick. Um, but yeah, the see Aaron Boone not get ejected from that um, is actually very frustrating because every press conference, um, every time he opens his fucking mouth about the struggles of the lineup or the defensive, you know, all the errors the defense is making, the poor base running, just literally lack of coaching, um, lack of leadership, to be honest, because really the Yankees have no leadership right now. There's really every time you listen to a press conference or watch a game right, or anything all the way from the front office down to, you know, the bullpen catcher. Um, that's 39 years old and doing the catching bullpens for part-time for money. Like no one, literally no one um, is showing like any, really any true emotion. Like, yeah, you, you, they're all like, yeah, it's frustrating. We're better than this. Um, this isn't who we are. Yada, yada, yada. You know the deal. Well, we're 60 something games in and no one's, there's not, hasn't been an adjustment made. The Yankees front office needs, Brian Cashman needs to be gone. Um, it's also frustrating to see the same philosophy that he's been trying to run. It literally hasn't gone anywhere. He likes these muscle dickheads that lift dumbbells and not yoga mats and strike out as much as they hit home runs, but they can't stay healthy because all they do is lift weights and they don't stretch and they play bad defense because our whole lineup is made of DHs and not, you know, actual athletic baseball players. Um, Like the Rays, for example, Rays, or one of the best teams in baseball, and for some fucking reason, they have one of the lowest payrolls in all of baseball, and they're consistently a top team. And now you look at the Rays, and you think that they could win a World Series, and you don't even, like, blink when you say that, or, like, even you don't shake your head and be like, no, what? No, like, the Rays, like, the Rays are a better team than the Yankees. Um, and if you look at their lineup compared to, you know, the Yankees or even, you know, other top teams in baseball, um, their lineup is made up of role players and platoon players. You have a bunch of lefties and a bunch of righties. Um, you have a bunch of players that play multiple utility players. You got guys like, 
you know, um, who's someone that can play Yandy Diaz, for example, Yandy Diaz on their team. He's not the best hitter. He's not the best fielder, but guess what? He's above average at both of those things and he can play anywhere in the field. So you have a bunch of Yandy Diaz is on the Rays roster that hit, that can hit left righty, uh, that can, you know, again, play everywhere. So their versatility day in and day out is unmatched compared to most rosters in baseball. Yankees don't have that. Yankees have 99% right-handed hitters, again, that strike out, and they live off the long ball. Um, I'm, I think as Yankee, I'm a diehard Yankee fan, happy my whole life. Um, I've watched, watched Yankee games all like every night, basically. It's so frustrating to see the same thing, like I said, the same philosophy, game in, game out. It needs to fucking change, and it's got to start all the way at the top with Brian Cashman. He needs to be gone. Aaron Boone needs to be gone, and I like Aaron Boone. I think, honestly, like he's a very likable person. Um, it's like I don't want to root against him, but I can't root for him at, at this point. Like it's 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 got to change. Um, like the Yankees have one of the highest payrolls. John Carlos Stanton and I said it when they signed him a couple years ago. Um, it was the worst. Or traded for him. I'm sorry, traded for him. It was the, one of the worst trades I've like. I wanted to throw up whenever we traded because we had. I think it was after Aaron Judge's rookie year. So and Aaron Judge like Aaron Judge plays great defense. Um, but Aaron Jones is injury prone. John Carlos Stanton's injury prone. Aaron Hicks is injury prone. The whole Yankees roster is injury prone. The only durable people really are Geo, uh, Glabe, and Luke Voigt. Or not Luke Voigt, I'm sorry. DJ, Luke Voigt is injury prone as shit. He's just like Stanton. So, um, I mean, I could get way into more detail about the Yankees and how frustrated I am, but I'm obviously a lot more monotone today. Uh, I don't have as much enthusiasm talking about the Yankees. I'm sure I don't sound like I have as much enthusiasm, but um, that's all right. We're just going to keep the train rolling. Um, But sticking with the Yankees, really just the baseball in general, I want to talk about the trade deadline because I think this is where the Yankees can get better, and I think this is where a lot of teams can get better. So for those that don't follow baseball, like, you know, diehard baseball fans, at the trade deadline, they... Like every sport, they have buy and sell teams, which like the buy teams are the teams that are, you know, in contention for their division or, you know, one of the one of the better teams in baseball or one of the better teams of any sport. They usually buy at the deadline, which means basically they're looking to acquire players. They're looking to trade to get better. Um, Usually they're trading for a player, you know, that's about to be a free agent. And that's why the team's ready to get rid of them. All, All that kind of stuff. Um, and the sell teams are the complete opposite of the bad teams in baseball with players that other good teams want. So they're willing to trade, you know, prospects or trade other pieces. Like if you're rebuilding, they're probably going to give you, you know, three or four prospects in return for that one guy. Um, because you don't need the one guy that you're probably going to have to sign to a big contract and you need prospects because you're rebuilding. So you have time to all that. So the Yankees are in like a weird a very weird um, a weird spot because they're fourth in the AL East. Yeah, fourth after they're projected. They were projected to be in the World Series. Um, most people had them favored to win the World Series. So going from favored to win the World Series to fourth in the AL East, two games above 500 at 31 and 29 is literally fucking disgusting. It makes me want to throw up. Um, but that's just how it is. Like It's baseball and it's, it's, it's fucking weird. And honestly, it bothers the shit out of me. But anyways, the trade deadline, what I was getting to, um, there's a few players that are, I guess, for the next couple weeks in baseball, again, if you follow baseball, you're going to hear these names a lot, a lot, a lot, which is like Trevor Story, Chris Bryant, um, honestly, even Javi Baez, 
um, Joey Gallo, Cattell Marte, Starling Marte. Like these are big, these are big time players on shitty teams that are looking to get moved. There's a lot of, a lot of rumors around the Yankees right now because they're looking. To, they still think they're in comp- Like they still think they're in contention to win their division, which technically they are. They're two games above 500. That sounds bad, but really they're only six and a half games back. Like with two, you know, hundred and something more games left, or ninety something games left in the season. So there's plenty of time. But the thing is, you can't waste any more time at this point. Like again, the teams that are good right now are going to continue probably to be good unless drastic, you know slumps or drastic injuries happen and the Yankees are rumored right now to either go after Trevor story the shortstop of the Rockies or Cattell Marte and Cattell Marte honestly makes more sense to me Trevor makes no fucking sense to me and I swear to God if the Yankees trade for Trevor story I'm gonna lose my shit and probably not be a Yankees fan anymore like I'll literally just I, I'm done with him until they get a new front office because Trevor story here's the deal they need that ballpark Yankee Stadium was made for left-handed hitters left-handed power hitters just left-handed hitters in general. Like, right field is a porch. They literally call it, like, you know, the porch because it's short. It's made for... It's made for not hard contact balls that leave the ballpark, literally. Um, and the fact that the Yankees have a whole lineup of righties and literally no one off the bench is a lefty really either. You have Brett Gardner, but Brett Gardner literally can't hit. Like, if he literally can't hit shit this year. He can't. He's blind. Uh, he needs contacts or something. I don't know. He's like 39, maybe 46. I don't know. Maybe 73 with six grandkids. Um, survived the Great Depression. He's, I don't know. I don't know. He's fucking old though. And we need something other than Brett Gardner off our bench. That's a lefty bat. So Cattell Marte makes the most sense. Trevor Story again makes no sense. Sure, he's a top shortstop in the game. Yay, congrats. He already said he's not going to resign with the Rockies. So the Rockies are going to move him. He's going to get traded at some point because he's going to probably want a, a max contract or pretty fucking close to a max contract in the offseason. He is a top player, but the Yankees don't need him because, one, Yankees are probably, from everything I've heard, they're going to go after Cor- Corey Seager in the offseason because he's also a free agent. Um, he's a lefty bat, plays shortstop. Glaber can get moved back to second. DJ can go back to first. You still have Gio, a gold glove third baseman. Well, he hasn't won a gold glove, but... He's got the glove to win a gold glove. But anyways, so Trevor doesn't make sense. He's uh, Again, he's another righty bat, which also would piss me the fuck off because we need lefties. So I can tell Marte is a switch hitter, but at least, even though he's not a full-time lefty, he switch hits. That gives versatility um, every day in the lineup. Also, Aaron Boone doesn't know how to write a fucking lineup. Every day, there's no consistency of where anyone hits in the lineup, and it's so fucking annoying too. And if I was a player, I would be annoyed as shit. Because whenever I played ball... Every day going to the ballpark. And there was a time, there was a time in my career where I would show up, look at the lineup for the day, and I would either hit one or fucking nine and anywhere in between. One, two, three, like literally anywhere. And like there was a stretch where it was like a month of every game I played. It was, I, I had no consent in it, but it was literally the most fucking annoying thing ever. And it, honestly, it probably did not help me mentally because it's like, Great, because when you're when you're batting for people that don't really know when you're batting in a lineup, right? You get put in the lineup for a couple different reasons. You know, if you're a power hitter, you're going to be put in the lineup where you know there's position to get a lot of RBIs. Um, if you're a contact hitter, you can get on base a lot. Your on base percentage is high. You're going to you know be at the top of the order or even nine stuff like that, right? You get walks a lot, yada yada yada. Even though you're not a good hitter, there's a bunch of factors that go into it. That's why also baseball is so fun to me. Um, there's a lot of factors, it's, but when you're getting put anywhere in the lineup every single day, your approach at the plate has to change every single day, which means there's no consistency when you're 
and by approach, I mean, so say there was, for the most part of my career, I hit anywhere between like three and six. I would, literally three or six, like three, four, five, six. That's for the most part of my career. That's where I hit in the lineup. Um, and with that approach, as I was a lefty, I was an extra base hit lefty. Didn't really hit for the best average. Um, I, I walked okay. My own base percentage was okay. But for the most part, I was just an extra base hitter guy, right? Like, um, I'd get a single here and there, but it was a lot of doubles. And for that, for me to be in the lineup at three, four, five, and six, that was perfect for me. I know I could go to the ballpark. I didn't have to worry about um, slapping a ball the other way, moving runners over, this or that. Because most of the time I hit, it was usually with two outs. So if there's a guy on base, it's two outs. I can go ahead and swing my fucking shoes off, um, whip my dick around, and try to put the ball in the gap, right? Like, that's, that was my approach. But whenever there was the days where I'd hit, like, eight or nine or one because I was in a slump or, you know, something like that, um, it's completely fucking different. You got, usually there's no one on base, so you're going to be have to be the one to get on base. That was never my fucking strong shoot, to be honest. Again, I just drove in a lot of runs. That was it. I struck out. Honestly, I, I struck out probably once a game. I'm going to be fucking real with you. But I probably had, like, you know, a double a game. But with like three strikeouts, that's, I mean, that's how it was. I mean, I'm like your traditional, and I'm not even that big of a dude. Like I was definitely not that big in high school. I only weighed like 155 in high school, but I'm just, I was long and lengthy. So, um, anyone that knows physics obviously knows there's a lot of leverage in that swing, like Fernando Tatis and you just fucking hit the shit out of the baseball for some fucking Addison coiled had a Bryce Harper kind of swing where your hips are, are like my hips would fly open anyways. And I could still, even though I had some like, you know, kind of lock, I didn't really lock my arm, but my, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but. I'd rotate my hips and I'd just fucking uncoil on a baseball. And again, that's probably why it was, it was tough for me. If I could go back, I, there's a lot I would work on on my swing um, that I didn't work on and I regret it big time, but um, just had a lot of uncoil and tall, lengthy in high school and college and just turned and fucking pulled a lot of baseballs. And um, it's fun as a lefty, but uh, anyways, I'm just fucking rambling at this point. So, Trevor's story does not make fucking sense. So we're going to move on from Trevor, though. But Cattell Marte, like I said, does make sense. And not only does... He's a center fielder. So we need outfield depth. Check. Like, every outfielder we have is injured or we already traded. Um, so we need outfield. Check. He plays gold glove defense. Um, check. We need we need help on defense. Like, we are one of the worst defensive teams in baseball. Check. Um, switch hitter. Can hit anyone in the lineup at the top of the order. Has a decent on-base percentage. Hit with some power. But Yankee Stadium's obviously he's going to get boosted two or three home runs in the season that he normally would at playing for Arizona because Arizona's ballpark's pretty big gap to gap. Um, down the line, not as big, but it's still a big ballpark. Um, it's it's definitely a pitcher-friendly ballpark, in my opinion. Um, so if Cattell went to New York, you know, you're getting a smaller stadium. Um, gap to gap's still big, but I would not, I'm would i not too worried about Cattell hitting home runs. Like, that's not why I want him. Um, that's not why I would want him. But again, lineup hits anywhere. Defense plays anywhere. He plays. He can play in the infield. He can play in the outfield. We we need guys like that. The Yankees desperately need just a versatile player that gets on base. He can steal a few bags for you. Maybe get like ten bags a season. Whatever it may be. He's got a decent contract, so it's worth trading for him, and it's worth giving up a decent amount of prospects because he's got a he's got a team friendly contract. You're not paying him a lot of money. He's locked up for I think till 2022, something like that. So you get like two years of him being on your team 
And we desperately need that. And then in the offseason, since he doesn't cost a lot of money, you can go after the Corey Seagers. You can go after the Javi Baez's, whoever your shortstop wants to be for the future. You can move Glaber back to second where he has historically been a lot better player um, offensively playing at second, which is weird. But that's just, again, it's a baseball thing. It's a mental thing. He's more comfortable at second. That's his traditional um, position. You get DJ at first. We can get fucking Voight as far away from New York as possible. Um, you can trade him to Arizona. With a few prospects, I'd be, I mean, I'm fine with that. Um, and then you still keep Geo at third, which is our best fielder, just our best probably fucking player, to be honest with you, because DJ hasn't hit worth shit this year. So, Cattell makes sense to the Yankees. Joey Gallo is another one on the trading block that is rumored to go, and he's rumored to go to the Padres. And at first, he was rumored to go to the Yankees, which, again, he's a lefty power bat, but I'm tired. I Like, I'm so fucking tired of the Yankees getting players that strike out or hit home runs. Thank God he's a lefty at least, and he plays. He's already won like two or three Gold Gloves in right field. But we again, we don't need him. We don't need we don't need him in right field. He's not the fastest guy. Like he's literally Aaron Judge, just a left-handed Aaron Judge. That's all he is. Judge is a Gold Glover outfield, plays Gold Glove style outfield. You know all this. Like Judge hits probably for better, or Judge hits for better average than Joey. But I'm tired of seeing just all home run hitters in our lineup. Um, so Joey, but he's rumored to go to the the Padres, which honestly in the Padres makes sense because. They really need a lefty bat. Um, Machado hasn't hit the best this year. Um, they're going to obviously be in a postseason run, so they're looking to buy. They're on the buying market um, of the trade block. And Joey makes so much sense because he plays first. Eric Osmer, can, they can kind of platoon Eric Osmer because he's getting a little older in age. So um, coming down the stretch of the season, he, you know, you can give him a few more rest days because you have Joey to play first. Um, and the Padres are just, I mean, they're deep. They have the prospects to trade. Joey's a free agent at the end of the year, I think, or maybe 2022. I think he has a year of arbitration, though. Or he might be a, he might be a free agent after this year, I'm pretty sure, actually, um, now that I think about it. So, you know, you have the prospects. They have they have so many fuckers. They have C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, Ryan Weathers. Um, Ryan Weathers didn't look the best last night, but he's a nice lefty. Um, Adrian Bajorn, or however they say his name, like, they have a ton of prospects. So they have the room to give up, to get Joey for the rest of the year, make that playoff push, make that postseason run deep into October and all that jazz. So Gallo to the Padres, rumored, makes sense for me. Starla Marte is another guy I want to talk about real quick. Um, you know, he's one of the most underrated players in baseball, in my opinion. Um, I've been a massive fan of Starla Marte since he played for the Padres, not the Padres, the Pirates um, in Pittsburgh with, you know, Andrew McCutcheon. Like that outfield when McCutcheon was in his MVP days, Jesus Christ, dude. Pirates were a fun team to watch. When they had uh, Pedro Alvarez, I believe, at first, and he had a, like one or two years where he absolutely raked. Like, he was one of the best hitting first basemen in all of baseball. And it was weird because he, he's like the Chris Davis of, of the Orioles, not Chris Davis with the K, Chris Davis with the C. Um, or they're paying Chris Davis like 20-something mil. Like, his contract's is literally fucking stupid. Sorry, Oral fans. Um, but yeah, he had like one or two, maybe even longer. It's been so long since he's, I've even heard of his name in baseball, but Pedro Alvarez was an absolute freak at the plate for a little bit. And so when you had McCutcheon, you had Starlin Marte when he was younger, more in his prime, which he's still, honestly, in my opinion, he's still in his prime. Um, but when you had them and you had Alvarez, uh, they had a few other pieces, man, and they were a fun team to watch, um, for sure. They they made a couple wild card appearances. They were like, they've been like the A, they were like the A's in a way. Like their payroll wasn't insane. They somehow managed to win games. Um, snuck into the postseason a few years. Uh, McCutcheon sneaked in a few MVPs or won an, won an MVP, the dreadlock McCutcheon, which is incredible to watch. 
Um, so Starla Marte, I don't have a good fit for him though. That's the thing. So I'm trying to run through teams real quick in my head, um, looking at the other monitor, trying to run through teams and I, I, I don't have a place for him. Um, honestly, if we're going to be honest, I could see him going to the Mets. I think the Met, and I don't want to, I don't want to see the Marte in a Mets uniform because I hate the Mets, um, being a Yankees fan. But I think that makes a lot of sense. They, I mean, Mets have kind of been banged up this year and some of the players that they expected to be, you know, one of their top, you know, performers, top hitters, they haven't panned out, or at least they haven't hit as well as they thought they would like Dominic Smith, um, supposed to, you know, really have, have that big year this year. Um, with a little more protection lineup with Lindor, um, Lindor hasn't even panned out nowhere near close. He's starting to heat up though, starting to get things rolling. Um, don't know what that is. Don't know if it's because obviously a new team, new teammates, new ballpark, whatever the case may be. Lindor is a perennial MVP, perennial all-star, um, superstar in baseball, superstar in the whole game. Everyone roots for him. He's fun. He's electric. Um, he's captivating. Again, use that word properly. He's captivating. You want to watch Lindor. When he's at the plate, you want to watch him play. Um, so getting Marte honestly can only benefit those kind of guys, the Dom Smiths, the Lindors that are kind of struggling because they can add, he can add a little more protection in the lineup. He gets on base a lot. Um, you have to kind of pitch around him a little more carefully um, than you would, you know, a Brandon Nimmo um, or whoever else. But I know they've been banged up in the outfield or Billy McKinney because I know they traded the Brewers for Billy McKinney. So really getting Marte would just, honestly, you could platoon Billy a little more to where Marte is more of your everyday player because Marte deserves to be playing every day, every single day. Um, so the Mets would make sense to me. Um, St. Louis would also make sense. I think St. Louis would honestly be a really good fit for Stella Marte. Um, you know, they're third in, third in the NL Central, but it, they're still in con- like they're, com- they're two and a half games back. So really, you know, you can just say they're tied at tied in first right now. So the Cardinals make sense. And honestly, the Giants make sense to me because they have a lot of players going into free agency. And so they're also, they're, they're probably the weirdest team for me at the trade deadline because they're leading their division. But like half of their fucking veterans on that team are free agents after the year. And they're not free agents that you technically want to sign to one year. Like you don't want to sign them to an extension because there are like 30, they're the Evan Longoria's and the Brandon Crawford's, the 33, 34 year olds, the guys that are at that weird age where it's like, okay, you're having a great year, but are you, can you repeat it because you are old, right? And for the most part, for the most of the time, they can't. And they're all having like career bounce back years. Um, I don't know what they put in the fucking water. I don't know what Gabe Kapler's done, but he's done a great job managing that team. So that's what I'm saying. They're a weird team. So if you get in someone like Stella Marte, you could bring him into the clubhouse, see what he does for you the rest of the year, and then potentially re-sign him to an extension before he even hits the free agent market. Um, if he does good for you, it can only help you. And he, he's fast. He still has legs. He can still swipe some bags. San Francisco's got a massive ballpark, so him roaming the outfield is only going to benefit you because he plays solid defense. So it makes a lot of sense to me. Milwaukee makes sense. Like, there's a lot of teams, Marte. So moving on from Marte, that's a quick, but not. Last big name I really want to talk about. Um, well, there's a few, actually, but I'm just going to keep rolling here. Max Scherzer. I don't, I, I don't like to talk too much about pitchers. You'll never hear me really talk too much about pitchers because... As much as I watch baseball, obviously pay attention, you know, all this kind of stuff. No, you know, even no uh, pitching and all that fucking fun stuff. I don't talk a lot about pitchers because 
I can't break them down as well as I could someone on the offensive side of the baseball. Like if, if I had a co-host in here and he could talk, break down a lot of pitchers and like where the best fits and all them are great. Like all I can tell you is Max Scherzer is a Cy Young winner. One of the best, he's a hall of fame pitcher. So wherever he goes, he's going to help. So I'm not even going to break him down or anything, give him a team. Um, but he's supposedly on the trade block. Um, and I hope he finds a good team and I hope he goes to, I hope he goes to the Yankees. Fuck it. I don't even care. Go to the Yankees, dude. I hope we need you. Um, Chris Bryant is one of the other guys that's rumored. So this is my initial thought. Um, whenever we're breaking down the Yankees and the trade deadline, my initial thought was in a perfect scenario, perfect situation, Yankees trade for KB, Chris Bryant, whether we have to give up Geo, which I don't want to, I, I said we give up Voight and some prospects. Um, maybe even Clint Frazier, even throwing Clint Frazier into this, get Voight, Clint Frazier, in a trade package for Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant, again, is a free agent at the end of the year, which I don't even know if the Cardinals are going to trade him because he's having a, he's having a career year, MVP kind of year. Um, but if they do, Yankees do that. They move DJ again back to first, Glaive to second, Geo to short, because Geo has been outstanding. He's played, every time he's played short this year, it's been incredible. Um, he's been an incredible defensive plays. Move KB to third, have KB finish out the year for you. And KB is not one of those guys that the Yankees kind of need, honestly, in general, is because he plays everywhere. He can play any position you put him in, and he's going to play above average defense. Not the best defender, but above average defense. And obviously, offensively, he's MVP style this year. I um, haven't seen it in a few years, but if he continues this, then watch out in LMVP. You could win it, right? Um, but that's what I said. And then in the offseason, if you don't want to re-sign KB, you go after the Corey Seager, and that way Gio moves back to third, and Seager plays short. So then you have Geo, Seager, Glaib, DJ. And that's one hell of an infield if they can figure their shit out. Because I don't even know. I, I don't even know about Glaber at this point. He's, been, he's probably my favorite baseball player right now. Um, has been since he's been in the show. I love everything about G-Baby. But that was my perfect scenario for the Yankees. Um, knocking on football real quick. I have to talk about this. Aaron Rodgers. What? Jeopardy. Aaron Rodgers. I, what's he going to do? If if I was Aaron Rodgers, I wouldn't want to play for anybody anymore. Here's why, real quick. Um, first of all, obviously, as much as he says the Jordan Love thing didn't affect him mentally, it fucking affected him. Because here's the thing. The Packers have been a good football team almost every single year. And the reason I say almost because there's been a few weird years, but for the most part, almost every single year, they're like the Rays. No matter who's on their roster, for some reason, they just win fucking football games. But that two years ago when they drafted Love was specifically Rogers said he wanted help at wide receiver or a lineman, something on offense, just something on off a tight end, a running back. He wants another weapon. What they do, first round pick, they drafted Jordan Love. Yeah, I went silent there because that would piss me off too. You're you're a Hall of Fame quarterback, arguably a top five quarterback all time, like athletic ability wise, stats wise, all this all this stuff, right? People can make that argument, and you draft another quarterback, even though Aaron Rodgers is still in the prime of his career. Excuse me, yeah, I'd be pissed off too. And so the fact that all this kind of stuff kind of started flying around, and then you know their draft this year, sure they drafted some players, but like Aaron Rodgers wants more of that. Say Aaron Rodgers doesn't feel at home in Green Bay, like, he wants the Brady effect that Brady has in Tampa. 
Brady left New England because he wanted more say into the players that got drafted, um, the offensive scheme, yada, 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 right? Like, that's what Aaron Rodgers, after seeing Brady in Tampa and Bruce Arians basically saying, you run the fucking team, that's what Aaron Rodgers wants because Aaron Rodgers thinks he deserves the respect Brady gets, and obviously he doesn't, but Aaron Rodgers at the same time kind of does. So here's my couple teams that I think that Aaron Rodgers should go for. Um, I think he today was mandatory minicamp, which means you have to fucking be there. He's getting fined, or he's supposedly going to be fined 93000 every day he's not there. And guess what? He did not show up today. So he's obviously dead fucking serious about not wanting to be a Packer at this point. Um, they, they stay, they, the GM and everyone still says like, oh, he's going to be a Packer. We're going to make it work. We're going to try to work this out. Well, they haven't done shit. Honestly, I don't even, you can't fix it at this point. Like you have to trade Aaron. But here's, here's the question. How much you, how much are you going to be like his cap hits massive? Um, how much is the team willing to give up to get Aaron? Cause he is older. He's not like a Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson. Like he's Josh Allen. He's not young. So how much? And here's the deal. Colin Cowherd made a good point. Not too long ago. No one's seen Jordan Love throw a football. Like, other than college tape. Like, they Packers almost hide him. Like, he is... Like, they made a massive mistake drafting him, and they regret it, and they almost don't want the media to find out. Right? Because as soon as the media finds out that Jordan Love is complete dog shit at football, at least I can't say that. That's very... It's kind of fucked up for me to say because he is in the NFL, got drafted first round. He's not an NFL quarterback a good NFL starting quarterback with potential Packers don't want them to find out because if they do trade Rodgers and are forced to start Jordan Love and Jordan Love looks like fucking Kirk Cousins out there just dog water looks like Ryan Fitzpatrick then and they're honestly better fit they're better quarterbacks than apparently Jordan Love like there's just rumors going around that Jordan Love can't play the game doesn't know what's going on incoherent on the football field um, but Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders, the 49ers. I had one more team in my head and I can't I can't pinpoint. Or the Dolphins. Because here's the deal with the Dolphins. Well, the 49ers not anymore because obviously they drafted um Trey Lance. So 49ers, I forgot about that. Check check the fuck off. They're they're done. Dolphins make the most sense because you can trade Tua, which honestly Tua is, in my opinion, obviously bad at football in the NFL as well. Um I don't think he's anywhere near a good NFL quarterback. He can't really throw. His mobility is dog shit. Um, said he didn't even really know what the playbook and like tried to pull the patch from Mahomes essentially. Um, said he, yeah, said he literally didn't know the playbook. So Tua, to me, you could trade him for Rodgers. Obviously not straight up. You're going to have to give up, you know, multiple first rounds probably, second round, whatever it may be um, to get Rodgers. But Rodgers in Miami makes the most sense too because Rodgers is that big media um as much as he doesn't, as much as he doesn't appear in the media, I guess he's he's a big brand guy. He's a big media guy, and so for him to be in Green Bay, like I'm sure he loves it. Um, that smaller community, people really, the Packers fans are diehard fans. Like you, you're a Packers fan, or if you're not, you're dead. Um, so they that's how they feel about Aaron. Um, so the Packers community too right now is split it because they don't like. Do we want to get rid of Aaron now, or? Um, but the more Aaron Rodgers holds out the more the Packers are really going to have to start picking up the phone um, because it's just going to keep getting, the stories are going to keep growing and growing and growing and growing. 
and Aaron's just going to get more and more upset. The front office for the Packers is going to get more and more. It's just going to create more diversion. It's going to. It's just going to create more chaos in the whole locker room. Just everything about the Packers right now could go in complete shambles if they don't figure this shit out with Aaron. Whether they trade him or keep him, they need to figure it out. They need to figure it out. Um, Julio Jones trade just happened earlier this week or, or last week. I know within the past couple of days. That's all I can fucking tell you. I don't know. Um, I don't even know what date is myself. Julio got traded to the Titans from the Falcons, which the Titans honestly make great sense to me. Thank God he didn't go to the Ravens. I would have shit myself if he went to the Ravens because then I have to deal with on which the Browns secondary last year was bad. Thank God they went out and got a lot of good pieces. Um, so we'll see how that, you know, how that translates. You know, Grant Hell Pitt's coming back from injury. You got some players coming back from injury. You got Jadavian Clowney now. Um, so a pass rush should be a little bit better. Should Miles Garrett might not get double teamed as, as much. Because um, Clowney, Clowney's more of than you're getting more of the name than you are the player. Um, that's what I like to say. He hasn't proven to be that first overall pick type of athlete, first overall pick type of defensive end. He's not super disruptive, doesn't get a ton of sacks, but he caught. I can't say he's he's disruptive, but he doesn't get a lot of sacks. So he causes pressures. He causes you know QBs to maybe make off scripted throws because he's causing he's causing these left tackles, right tackles, whatever side he's on the ball, whether he's running, you know basically playing outside linebacker essentially with rushing the passer, but he just doesn't get a lot of sacks. Um, causes chaos, doesn't get a lot of sacks. Um, but Miles Garrett needs that. Because Miles Garrett last year was getting double teamed, especially in the second half of the season, getting double teamed a lot because these left tackles are getting worn out throughout the season. They're getting banged up. They need help. Jadavion Clowney should take a little bit of pressure. Miles Garrett might have a defensive player of the year coming right here this year with Jadavion Clowney as long as Clowney stays healthy. Be interesting. Anyways, Julio Jones. Thank God he didn't go to the Ravens. For one, Lamar Jackson can't throw a fucking football. He's an asshole. Um, I think he's a great athlete. I think he's a great player. I root for him when he's not playing the Browns. But I don't think he's a good quarterback. I think the more we get down the stretch, maybe this year, maybe next year, he's going to get more and more exposed. Unless he really maybe even changes his throwing motion. Because to me, he kind of floats the ball everywhere he goes. It does. It just doesn't look like he has any, for, like, any velo behind it, really. Um, that's got to change, in my opinion. Um, but he, he last year he got exposed a little bit. Defenses will figure him out. They're going to figure out how to contain him. You keep a spy, my, keep a spy linebacker on him. You, maybe even a safety. You have to shadow him with someone. I. That's the one bad part about playing Lamar that the Ravens have an advantage every single week is you really have to have a spy on him every single play. Which really you're taking one of those eleven men completely away from the play essentially if Lamar doesn't run. You know, whether it is a linebacker, whether it is a DB, whether it is honestly uh, a defensive lineman that has to shadow, it's, you're taking a whole one whole player, and especially with someone like Lamar, if he just has to outrun a linebacker, which he's going to do 10 out of 10 times, you're in trouble, right? So that's the one problem with Lamar, but when it comes to throwing, I haven't, I haven't seen really... I saw a little bit of improvement, but not a lot, and it worries me. Um, that's my other thing. But Julio... Julio should be glad he didn't go to the Ravens because he's probably going to get double teamed in every divisional game if he does because no one really believes the Ravens have a receiver worth putting a ton of respect on, let's be honest. Hollywood Brown has either been injured or he's just a smaller guy, so you're not too worried as long as you cover deep. Uh, your safety's kind of draw back a little bit just so that he doesn't get on top of you. Um, 
They drafted Tylen Wallace, which we'll see how Tylen does. Um, I thought he should have been drafted higher, but I, we'll see how Tylen does in the NFL. Um, they got a bunch of these guys. They drafted Duvernay two years ago or whatever from Texas, the super speedy guy. Uh, who Rashad Bateman? Like they have, they drafted a ton of receivers. So we'll see what happens. Julio better be glad he didn't go there. Titans make the most sense. You have AJ Brown on the other side. AJ Brown's you're not going to get double team now, Julio, because AJ Brown proved last year that he's a fuck. He's one. He's one of the best receivers um, in football when he's on the field. Ryan Tannehill is a way better thrower statistically than Lamar Jackson. So Julio should like that. Although he's not going to get any upgrade leaving Matt Ryan in that offense. Because Matt Ryan is arguably a Hall of Famer, some for the most yards um, of any active quarterback in the league right now, over Aaron, over Tom, anyone. Um, Matt Ryan's a stud, um, well deserved and respected. But offensively, he's going to have a, a bigger run game now with Derrick Henry, so the pressure will be a little more off Julio um, in the passing game. So I think it's overall just a great fit. It'll be fun to watch, and hopefully, Tannehill has another great another good season because you know his career has been up and down dolphins this and that so last year played great hopefully it continues yes <laughs> yes uh really i don't have much more to talk about um again i am completely fucking sorry for the people that uh listen to the podcast um for the audience um i've been very very inconsistent with the episodes um, I can't even promise you that I'm going to get more consistent. I know this Friday, I think today's Tuesday, this Friday, I'm recording an episode with one of my good buddies, T-Swag, Taylor Ellison. Um, I'm sure we'll talk basketball. I'm sure we'll talk just shitty times in high school. Like we're just going to have a good time in here. Um, so make sure you, you, you tune into that. I will post stuff on the Instagram, on the socials. If you don't follow the socials, they're all dirty laundry sports. Go follow, go like, um, but again, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to do an episode a week. It just depends on my schedule. But make sure, just do me one favor though. Go like um, stuff on the Instagram. Go retweet stuff on the Twitter. Go share the episodes just just with one person. That's all I ask. Just just go click the link. Literally, just you can literally go on a tweet or go on an Insta post and sh- just click a button, share a link share post and just send that direct message to someone's phone so that that way they see it and to say, Hey, if you like the podcast, Hey, listen to this. If you like sports, listen to this. Just, just one person. If you want to do more, great. If you don't fuck you, I'm just kidding. No, uh, if you don't, Oh, well, but just, just share it one person. That's all I ask. Um, thank you guys for listening. We're going to vibe out a little bit real quick. Um, the Yankees are complete dog shit again. OU softball plays first game of best of three national championship tonight at 630. Tune into that. Um, that shit. I'll tell you what. Softball, college softball is one of the most electric things I've ever fucking watched every single year. It's like really the only women's sport I watch, which not to sound sexist, but they kill it. Um, no matter who's playing, it's fun as shit to watch. The girls bring energy. The crowd brings energy. It's a good fucking time. So 630 tonight, Central Time. OU plays Florida State, game one, women's college world series. Tune into that shit. Dirty Laundry Sports, we out, bitch. <laughs>